Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Weekend Superheroes Podcast. This is 9-11, Part 2. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd, 2017. I'm Sean. And with me always is Darius and Steve filling in for Pat. We have Nate. Also, U.S. Navy veteran David. David, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. Tell us about yourself. How long were you in the Navy? I was in the Navy for seven years, how and then I served in the federal government for 20 years. Very cool. Damn. Thank you for coming on the show. Also, everyone's favorite conspiracy theorist, Dasha. Dasha, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How's everyone else doing tonight? Good. Okay. Guys, doing fabulous. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Steve, what happened last time? Well... I uh, was not here last time. Fantastic. David, who did we talk to you last we time? We had Michael Finnegan. He was a retired FBI agent, uh, served 22 years in the FBI Joint Terrorist Task Force, and talked about the actualities of what happened before 9-11. It, it's fantastic, guys. Go back and check that out. If you have not yet, please go back and listen. But today, as promised, conspiracy theorists, we are talking about the theories that go a little against the grain. Facts that do not necessarily support the full story you were spoon-fed by the media. Uh, but the first thing I want to do is mention the 9-11 attack theories that we're not going to mention. Uh, who better than the 9-11 conspiracy enthusiast, Dasha? Dasha, tell us. Number one, we're going to go for the no planes theory. They use CGI to cover up the fact that there weren't any planes. Yeah, if you look at the actual footage following the, the attacks on the World Trade Center bombings, you can look at the footage and you actually see the nose of the second airplane coming through the second building and it protrudes out. There are, there are engineers who have tested this theory that the design and make and model of the aircraft that actually penetrated the buildings would not have survived the penetration of that building. You're saying could, the plane never would have made it through. It never would have made it could through. Could they have reinforced that specific plane? For the purpose of getting as far through mm -hmm. the building as they wanted it to. There we go. Depends if uh, what you believe. Yeah. Right. Or how far yeah. ahead they thought. Yeah, exactly. Right. Dosh, yeah. go ahead. Uh, the next one, number two, will be the uh, nuclear explosion causing the demolition of what? the towers by Dmitry Kolozov. I think that's how you say his name. I saw another. The third would be uh, by Judy Wood. And she claims that, um, she theorizes that <clears throat> direct energy weapons were used to uh, bring down the building. I mean, she, she has credentials here. She is, Dr. Judy Wood earned a PhD degree from Virginia Tech and is a former professor of mechanical engineering. She has uh, many years of experimental stress analysis, structural mechanics, deformation analysis. Very cool. It's quite uh, the Classic theory. Classic Judy. Okay. And Cla then Classic Judy. <laughs> The last and the most ridiculous, I feel like, or is fantastic. that high-tech lasers were used to uh, to bring down the buildings. Yeah, obviously. So those were funny, guys. Thank you. But now I need to preface this episode with a quick disclaimer, emphasizing what we're actually doing here. 
and it's not to prove or disprove or persuade you into thinking the U.S. or any other government body was involved in the planning or funding of the attacks 9-11. Far be it from me or anyone else here today to, to, to try and, and, and create a rise against the country that we live in, that we love, or that we've even served. Um, when we put research out there, we just we let you bright and educated individuals decide for yourselves. If we miss something, please put it down in the comments. Also, feel free to fact check us. Call us out. But I have to ask, if you do either one of those, please cite a reliable source. Oh, God, please cite a source. Please, Jesus, cite a source. <laughs> in English. Biggest pet peeve. <laughs> <laughs> it is insane, because whenever you cite a source from, you know, Jimmy's first website.com, we don't care that much. Angelfire.com right. slash pipe What about, no. cities. Get what about naughtylumberjacks.com? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Farmers, Farmers only. only. Farmers yes. Only. yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, no more fine print. Let's get on with it. There were close to 3,000 people who died in the attacks on September 11th. Uh, the number of families left behind who want answers continues to grow. What we're about to tell you is not for the YouTube conspiracy theorists. We're doing this for the ones left behind after the attacks and thousands of scholars, engineers, architects, and survivors who've signed petitions demanding a new independent and bipartisan investigation. And, and Sean, I just, I'm just i sorry to interrupt you, but this is, this is David or Finn. And I would just want to let you know that you were talking about the 3,000 people who died in the World Trade Center bombs. It, yes. And I will tell you that I think that people sometimes encapsulate 3,000 as the number in their mind. But the residual effect of 9-11, I'd like to just throw out a couple numbers just so people can chew on it as they listen to this. 2,976 American people. 48,644 Afghans and 1,690,903 Iraqi people who paid an ultimate price for a crime they never committed. So this is just something to chew on as we continue to go along. We're not talking about 3,000 lives. We're talking about millions of lives. And I know we like to have fun on this podcast, but if that, if those numbers don't do anything for you, then you might as well just hang up now. Yeah, might as well just quit. What exactly are people hanging up? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But if you stuck with us this long, thank you so much. I want to talk about first the two documents that will be mentioned throughout this podcast a whole lot. Uh, the 9-11 Commission Report and the NIST Report. NIST stands for the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Okay? Oh, here we go. We got to talk about the 9-11 Commission. It was staffed by the Bush administration, correct? Yes. Everybody got that? Yep. Okay, uh, the two chairs of the commission were Thomas Keene and Lee Hamilton. They believe that the government established the commission in a way that ensured that it was, and I'm quoting from Thomas Keene, quote, set up to fail. Keene asked for $11 million, but only got $3 million. Seems reasonable. That was given to the commission to sort out the investigation of the biggest attack since Pearl Harbor. Um, that, in comparison to the Bill Clinton-Monica Lewinsky, invest Lewinsky investigation, that received $30 million. So, just in case you're keeping track at home, uh, Act of War, $3 million. Getting head? Blowjob. Yeah, $30, <laughs> yeah. $30 million. It's, yeah. it's just insanity. So, the 9-11 Commission was established in November, of two, uh, November 27th, 2002, which means it took a full 400 and 42 days after the attack. That's ridiculous. Right. After Pearl Harbor, nine. Nine days. Nine. Days. nine. <clears throat> okay. Um, there were conflicts of interest. That was a big thing. Uh, I can get into this, but it, it's just it's too much. The, the testimonial evidence became unreliable because it was given under torture. 
And if you listen to the first podcast, uh, the part one of this, you'll understand that. Uh, this, by the way, was denied by the CIA originally, but eventually he said, yeah, we tortured him. Uh, for more than two years after the attacks, officials, officials with North American Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, and the Federal Aviation Administration, or the FAA, uh, provided inaccurate information about the response to the hijack. 9-11 Commission report concluded that while 15 of 19 hijackers who carried out attacks were from Saudi Arabia, there was no evidence that the government of Saudi Arabia funded the attacks. So the NIST report was the other report. Um, just briefly, it was great. It was well done. But the only issue is it, it only focuses on one hypothesis. Planes, jet fuel, took the buildings down. That's it. They call it the fly swat. Uh, conspiracy. What it is is that people, they swat the flies in front of them, and they can't see the fly that's sitting right on their nose. It's right in front of them. The best place to hide something that's important by the federal government is where? Right in front of you. Uh, in Time Magazine, a scripts Howard poll said that 36% of Americans said it was likely or very likely that government officials either allowed the attacks to be carried out or carried them out themselves. Then, in 2006, in the Washington Post, a Zogby poll revealed that 49% of Americans believed that the U.S. government had foreknowledge of 9-11 and conscientiously failed to act. Even NBC took a poll asking who believes that American government was involved in 9-11 attacks. 63% said yes. So the question is why? Why? Why would anyone need or have the right to believe that the U.S., would have deliberately let this happen or even be directly involved. It's time to talk about the U.S. conspiracy. So let's start with the top chain of command. You might know these people. If you've never heard of them, I will explain. George W. Bush, he was the president. Uh, Donald, Yay, Donald, I know <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld. explain. Donald Rumsfeld, uh, SecDef. Well, SecDef is what? The Secretary of Defense. That's right. Uh, Richard Myers, Air Force, four-star general. Montague Winfield, NORAD, Commander Major General, and Ralph Eberhardt, the uh, North American Aerospace Defense Command. These were the top chain of command that went completely AWOL on 9-11, by the way. Uh, these are the officials, top in the chain of command, the decision makers, all, every single one I just mentioned there, had something to do that day, uh, allowing the decisions to fall in the second tier of command. But it's interesting because uh, a day before, prior to that, on September 10th, 2001, one day before the tragic events of 2011, I'm sorry, 9-11, uh, 2001, Donald Rumsfeld announced that the public had, uh, that the Pentagon could not account for $2.3 trillion. How do you lose that much money? They said they couldn't account for it. He was in front of an intelligence committee and he was asking for the largest increase in financial spending. Who was he? Who was this he? This is Donald, Donald Rumsfeld, Rumsfeld, the Secretary of Defense. So you could actually go on YouTube and you could check this out. It shows him. He's being asked by the Senate committee, Senate Budget Committee. He's asking for the largest increase in defense spending in U.S. history. And they said, Mr. Rumsfeld, we understand that there are iniquities in the accounting of this, the Department of Defense. Can you give us an idea? He's over there talking to his attorney. They're whispering to each other. The secretary says, Secretary of Defense, could you please answer the question? He said, we believe that there's an inequity of approximately $2.3 trillion. And that so, happens. I lost $5. Yeah, if I misplaced um, $10, I'm like, what the hell? 
that's, I know I had here we $10 go. Here, in and, my and, and, and I will tell you this. The word trillion, you have no concept of the amount of money. That's it's not money anymore. Sorry. Yeah. It's there's not there's no money that's anymore. so much. So where did that money go? Certainly not anyone here would uh, have any clue. No. What, how many zeros are in a trillion Dude, dollars? I get excited if I win 50 bucks on a yeah. scratch-off team. Moving forward, we have the runs. air defense failures, right? So the U.S. air defense system failed to follow standard, proce- standard procedures that they have done for years. Basic shit. Yeah, procedures uh, responding to diverted passenger flights. And now we're going to talk about war games. Nate, I think you want to talk about the war games. Sure. So war games refer to the defense and uh, military exercises that simulate acts of war and terrorism. The North American Aerospace Defense Command, also known as NORAD, had run war games and exercises dating back to 1999. Those exercises even consisted of mock hijacking of planes being used as weapons against the World Trade Center and other high-profile U.S. buildings. It is said that these war games were initially to be conducted in 2001 in October, but were moved up to September by persons unknown. On the morning of 9-11, the National Reconnaissance Office in Virginia is preparing for an exercise in which a small corporate jet crashes into their building. Surprise. <laughs> NORAD was in the middle of a number of military exercises. According to Hart Seeley, reported from the Newhouse News Service, the first is known as Vigilant Guardian, an exercise that would pose an imaginary crisis to defense outposts nationwide. The second coming from the Toronto Star, named Northern Vigilance, involves deploying fighter jets to locations in Alaska and northern Canada. Okay, here's the deal. Just to follow up on that, it's interesting because people sit there and they say, how could our federal government do anything like that? My goodness, could they do that to the American people? And I will tell you that they tried to do it in 1962. In 1962, the Secretary of Defense, along with its committee... Who was SECDEF then? Do you know? Uh, I, you know, I can't think of the name right now, but if you look under uh, look 1962, there is a, 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 an operation called Operation Northwoods. Okay, Operation Northwoods suggested the destruction of military aircraft, military U.S. warships, attacks, false flags on those aircraft, and piloted unmanned piloted aircraft that they would take down on their uh, on their way to Cuba 62 Christ on a corn dog 62 who who speculated this it, just... no 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 this was denied this was declined and it is official it's on official records you look under yeah. operation northwood it is officially declined by who JFK and you know what happened to JFK He's fine, right? He's okay. He's, Isn't he okay? Yeah, he's perfectly yeah. healthy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he got killed. He's still on his wife's side. He has yeah, 12 he got, grandkids. He got killed. Yeah. 12. Yes. So I would like to uh, mention PNAC. It is an acronym for the Project for a New American Century. It is a neoconservative think tank released the report entitled Rebuilding Americans, America's Defenses. In it, they declare that the process of transformation, even if it brings revolutionary change, is likely to be a long one, absent some catastrophic and catalyzing event. Now, what well, think about think about uh, on tagging on what you had just said, the Rockefeller family, who has controlled operations around the world for over a hundred years. You've heard of them. Yes, David Rockefeller was quoted. We are on the verge of a global t- transformation. 
All we need is the right major crisis. Okay, guys, only because of time, we got to move on. I really want to talk about a guy named General Mahmoud Ahmed. He was from the ISI. Uh, he was reported to have wired $100,000 to Muhammad Atta on August of 2001. This was facilitated by a man named Saeed Sheikh. Now, Saeed Sheikh uh, allegedly kidnapped the Wall Street reporter Daniel Pearl, who was investigating ties between ISI and Islamic militants. Okay, two more guys. Senator Bob Graham and Porter Goss. Uh, Graham was the uh, chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Porter Goss uh, was the future director of the CIA. On the morning of 9-11, General Mahmoud Ahmed had a meeting with these two Washington insiders. The meeting began at 8 a.m. at the Capitol building and lasted through Flight 175's impact with the South Tower. Bob Graham Porter Gross would later co-head a joint inquiry that says the Bush administration received no intel that could have prevented the attacks, calling it nonsense. The joint inquiry was released in December 2002. The Bush, Bush White House redacted that inquiry by 28 whole pages. During General Mahmoud Ahmed's visit, he also met with George Tenet, as you know, the director of the CIA. So the 9-11 Commission report would conclude that they saw no evidence that any foreign government or, or official supplied any funding for 9-11. And then in October 2001, Mahmoud retires from the ISI. That whole transaction was omitted from the 9-11 Commission report and then denied. This is a reporter talking to Thomas Keene, chairman of the 9-11 Commission. On 172, page 172 of your report, the 9-11 report, you state, quote, the U.S. government has not been able to determine the origin of the money used in the 9-11 attacks. Ultimately, the question is of little practical significance, end quote. How can you state that the question of who bankrolled the deaths of 3,000 American people on September 11th is, quote, of little practical significance. Because it costs so little money. That's the awful thing about it. It costs less than $500,000. That's why it was so hard to trace. We were able to find pieces of the, of the $500,000, but came in very small pieces. And you said earlier $500,000 to do the 9-11 operation. Well, we know that 100000 was wired to Muhammad Atta directly from the head of Pakistani ISI. Yeah, that's him uh, denying, or in this case, mumbling over um, <laughs> that entire transaction. So both the NIST, uh, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, and the 9-11 Commission Report researched and publicly published documents explaining exactly what happened on that day. And here's what happened in a nutshell. Osama bin Laden and terrorist members of al-Qaeda masterminded a plan in which commercial airplanes were to be hijacked and subsequently flown into very important buildings. Three managed to hit their targets and one crashed prematurely into Shanksville, PA. The north and south towers of the World Trade Center burned for a while, creating office fires that would eventually soften the steel and lead to the tower's collapse, right? Well, let's start at the beginning. 8.46 a.m., hijackers led by infamous Mohammed Atta crash American Airlines Flight 11 into the North Tower of the World Trade Center, killing 92 on board and hundreds inside the building. Where, where was everyone at the time? I was in uh, biology class. I literally, legit was like looking through a microscope and my te uh, another teacher, a social studies teacher, combusted in the doors. Like, yeah, played and hit the World Trade Center. We're like, oh. What grade? I was in 10th grade. 10th grade. Darius? 
I was a senior in high school and in physics class. And our teacher, someone like another teacher came in the room while he was teaching and said, hey, there's a plane that hit a building in New York City. Uh, you might want to turn the TV on because we had cable TV and like the classrooms there. And sure enough, we you know, we turned on CNN and then we saw like, you know, the breaking news, like where they come in and say like this happened. And we had no idea what was going on. I was in elementary school, fifth grade, and I remember sitting next to the window because everyone felt some sort of shudder because we lived about or the school was about two or three miles away from Shanksville where the plane went down. Yeah, she was in Somerset. So all I knew was that things were happening during the, the morning, but no one was saying anything to us because we were young. But as soon as something went down in Shanksville, which was really near to North Star, which was where I was. Could you see or hear anything? Well, I don't remember hearing anything. All I remember is the fact that other people were saying, oh, my gosh, yeah, I felt a shudder or I felt the, the ground there crumble. There was some anxiety. I don't remember hearing anything. Where were you at, Dave? I was in uh, uh, the south side of Pittsburgh. I was at a PNC bank, and they were talking amongst themselves that a plane had crashed. Uh, it seemed it seemed overwhelming that they were having such a, an ambitious conversation about it, but I left, and I went back to uh, Duquesne University where I was staying with my bass player at uh, his dorm room, and when I went there, they were evacuating the entire dormitory of Duquesne University, and they said... There are attacks in New York, and a built and a aircraft went down in Shanksville. We are abandoning buildings in the University of Pittsburgh. And I looked outside, and there were people running in the streets. So he said, "Run up to my room, grab a carton of cigarettes, go to your car, <laughs> go to your car, priorities, and load your gun." So that's what I did. I went up and I grabbed the carton of cigarettes. I went down to my car. I loaded my gun and I called my brother. And he Let's says, be real. Your gun was already well loaded. It was. Yeah. Nate, talk to me. Where were you? Shit. Where were you, buddy? I was in uh, seventh grade in uh, geography class, Homer Center High, with uh, Mr. Patnatty, and uh, we were we were sitting there, and the teacher came in and whispered in Mr. Patnatty's ear, and he told him to turn the TV on that we had that was very small, very outdated in the corner. Those big-ass tube TVs. No, it was really small, but it was just, like, really shit. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, black and white. Uh, yeah, but he turned it on, and I remember seeing this building burning, and um, it, it was when it very first happened, and we were watching, he said, you know, we, we don't kind of know what this is yet, and as he's talking about this, the second plane goes into the second uh, tower. Look at all of us, how we come from different time periods and how we all remember exactly where the hell we were at. Including our president. At 8.50 a.m., White House Chief of Staff alerts President George W. Bush that a plane is at World Trade Center. You all remember this. The president is visiting an elementary school in Sarasota, Florida at the time. Then, in December 2001, at an Orange County convention in Orlando, he was asked by a young boy in a crowd how he felt when he heard the news. I had, was sitting outside... Uh, the, the the classroom waiting to go in, and I saw an airplane hit the tower of a of a t you know the TV was obviously on and I I used to fly myself and I said well there's one terrible pilot and uh, I said it must have been a, a horrible accident 
but I was whisked off there. I didn't have much time to think about it. And I was sitting in the classroom, and Andy Card, my chief of staff, who was sitting over here, walked in and said, a second plane has hit the tower. America's under attack. And Jordan, I wasn't sure what to So there he is telling the whole world that he saw the first plane uh, hit, and then he was told about the second one. The only bad news here is that the only footage of the first plane hitting the tower was what you heard at the beginning of the segment, and that didn't come out until the day after uh, 9-11. So I'm not so sure that... You can't remember that. Here's the deal. He didn't see the first plane hit the tower. He planned the first plane hitting the tower. Really? You're going to say that? You're really going to say that, David? After my big speech about Hollywood, you're going to say that shit. Really? (laughs) We're only going to speculate. That's a little much. All right, all right. I want to talk about the evidence that they supposedly found. Um, so this was, they found this checked into the Portland airport, which means it never made it to the plane in Boston. Uh, there were two bags, both belonged to Muhammad Atta. Here are the contents. There was a 767 flight manual, an Arab English dictionary, a handheld flight computer, uh, a Quran, and of course, his will. So you're going to pack your will onto a plane that you know is going to smash into a building and completely blow everything to smithereens and and let's talk about the evidence those are like six smoking guns there just laid out for all the investigators look it doesn't matter let's go to a clip um this is betty ong flight attendant number three on flight 11 uh calls american airlines on the ground from an air phone i'm gonna have to speak up i can't hear you what is your name okay my name is betty ong i'm number three on flight 11 okay and the cockpit is not answering their phone. And there's somebody staffed in business class, and there's we can't breathe in business class. Somebody's got mace or something. Can you describe the person that you said someone is what in business class? Um, I'm, I'm sitting in the back. Somebody's coming back from business. If you can hold on for one second, they're coming back. Number one is, got stabbed. Uh, our person is stabbed. Um, nobody knows who stabbed who, and we, we can't even get up to business class right now because nobody can breathe. Uh, our number one is, is stabbed right now. Okay. And, oh, and, and, and we, our number five, our first class passengers, our uh, first class uh, galley flight attendant, and our purser is stabbed. And we can't get a, the cockpit. The door won't open. That is both terrifying and heartbreaking to know that that plane moments later would smash uh, into the North Tower. But I got to talk about more evidence that was found um, regarding the hijackers on this flight. According to several sources, an unidentified passerby found a passport of one of the hijackers. Apparently, this uh, passport belongs to uh, Satim Al-Sakami, uh, one of the law students or the muscle hijackers. Uh, he wasn't one of the pilots. He was just one of the guys that were supposed to take over the cockpit. So the passport had to make it to at least the airport, survive a 450-mile-an-hour plane crash into a building, and land safely on the concrete 1,000 feet below. Yeah, feet I'm calling bullshit on all of that Why? Shit. Why? Into a building and safely land 1,000? Well, yeah. the passport must have been at least on the carry-on or on the person. It had to have made it to the airport, right? On the person. Yeah. Right. But still. Am I correct? 
So how so how the would the person wasn't identified, but the passport yet flew out the window of the airplane during impact somehow yeah. out of the building Name me and just through the jet slowly fuel floated down. Name me one other way water. that passport could have survived that crash. Somebody could have landed that shit. There's no way. Uh, What'd you say? God. An angel. God. <laughs> A bubble God. of A plant. Purity. Somebody could have easily walked down to the ground and Un- Eight pounds, six ounce, baby Jesus. Let's move on. Okay, so moving on. 9.03 a.m. Hijackers crash United Airlines Flight 175 between floors 77 and 85 of the World Trade Center South Tower, going about 590 mile an hour, killing 65 people aboard and an unconfirmed number in the building's impact zone. Um, uh, significantly more videos of, of this emerged uh, because people at least expected it. Uh, now, even though I can't get behind this one, nor am I any kind of aircraft expert, uh, there is testimonies from eyewitnesses who says that the plane that hit the building was not exactly a uh, commercial airline. The plane wasn't no uh, airline or anything. It was a twin-engine, big, gray plane. It definitely did not look like a commercial plane. I didn't see any windows on the side. Mark, if what you say is true, those could be cargo planes or something like that. You said you didn't see any windows in the side? I didn't see any windows in the side. I saw the plane flying low. I was probably like a block away from the subway in Brooklyn, and that plane came down very So one or two crazy people fine. But that is only some of the testimony that says that that, fl- that plane that hit that tower was not a 767. Uh, we got to move on. Flight 77, 9.37 a.m. Hijackers aboard crash a plane into the western facade of the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., killing 59 aboard the plane and 125 military and civilian personnel inside the building. I have to stop that missile theory that you guys have been talking about. Literally, you guys have been talking about this missile theory the whole time, right? Um, they said the holes in the Pentagon were too small. What are your thoughts on that, David? They're suggesting that the air, the actual flight of the aircraft that impacted the world, the uh, the Pentagon, was impossible for any human to make the maneuver that it suggested that the G-force itself would make one human being completely pass out. The aircraft would, would, would impact the ground directly. There's no way that someone would be physically capable of maneuvering that aircraft down to the level to impact and make the crater inside the building itself. And it's interesting. You'll look at the impact crater itself, and one of the crazy questions, they say, look at the impact of... The Pentagon. Where is the 757 that did this? There were witnesses, a few witnesses, that said that they did see a plane, some sort of plane. The only problem is is that most of the people who had eyewitness accounts of that event said the plane was not a 757, but a personal aircraft, something of a Cessna or a small personnel aircraft. Fine, fantastic. So how does a plane, which is 120 feet wide and uh, 150 feet long, fit into a hole 
that is only 16 feet across. They do it because it is a operated and designated drone that is designed for impact purposes only. There were no personnel on the that drone aircraft. or the actual the uh, a- the 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 part of impact. So the 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 part of the building that was impacted was reinforced. They didn't find one body, not one body on the impact of that aircraft. They continue to use the argument that this is disintegration, just like in Shanksville. According to whom? The federal government and the FBI, the people who did the investigation on the impact of the craft, they they have claims of of pseudo parts of aircraft that were not there upon impact as, of the aircraft. As much as I love conspiracy theories, a plane, it turns out, doesn't make a cartoon-shaped hole into the building it hits. Uh, it was designed. Where it was hit, it was designed for impact. In fact, the only part of the building, we'll talk about that in a second, that was designed to withstand a terrorist impact. So the plane wings are going to fall off, making it, in everyone else's mind, a missile. Sure. Let me ask you this. It's the Pentagon, right? Um, one of the most protected buildings in the country and the world. Uh, and there's only video surveillance from one parking lot, and it's five snapshots. There's a Sheraton that's a mile and a half away. There's numerous other video surveillances that were around the Pentagon. Why why weren't they released to show us that it was, in fact, a 757 commercial airline that impacted the there, Pentagon? There, there why, is, why not? There is not one illustrated photo. Right? From any camera, from any video surveillance, identifying We're supposed to aircraft. believe the Pentagon had no surveillance of that hitting? So someone had to have been, let's just assume that someone had to have been uh, alerted that this was happening. If this is the truth, uh, why wasn't any plane that hit the Pentagon intercepted? So this adds to uh, the actual third war game that was happening that uh, day of 9-11. Um, there were three F-16s from the Army's National Guard at Andrews Air Force Base, which is only 15 miles from the Pentagon. They're flown 180 nautical miles away for a training mission in North Carolina. Uh, actually, t- that we only named three, but then acting head of Joint Chiefs of Staff, Air Force General Richard B. Myers, admitted to four war games being conducted that morning of 9-11 in a congressional testimony. Well, not not only that, but you can actually go onto YouTube and you can see the air traffic controllers designating these aircraft as suspect, talking to NORAD directly. You can hear the video okay, this of, is and what, the audio. This is, what, this is my question then. You, they talk to NORAD directly. NORAD, who has who has access to radar. Sure. They know r- everything radar. that's in the air. <laughs> right, 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 right. So everything. They, we see radar in our little video games. Are you trying to tell me that no one had radar? Well, yeah. no, no, no. I'll tell you, if you if you listen to the correlation of the radar contacts and the audio that was incurred by the traffic controllers, they would indicate to these contacts, bearing and range, you, air traffic <clears throat> bearing 230, 30 nautical miles from our station, do you realize that you are occupying airspace X, Y, Z? They said, is this a drill? Is this part of 
operations. War games. They yeah. didn't know. The people who were designated in those F-16s, they didn't know it was a drill and didn't know it was real. Now, you looked at the war games. Would you agree with this? Yeah, yeah, I agree. The government continued to deny it had any knowledge of the aircraft coming in. Yep. Uh, they, they, they even said the blips um, the, uh, on the radar that even if, even if the pilots turned off the transponders, they would still be able to track it on radar. So the only way that this would be able to happen is if they thought it was a training mission and it was allowed by someone, obviously a higher power than an air traffic controller. So the plane was taken over by five hijackers, led by a man named Hani Hanjor, entered U.S. in 96 to become a professional airline pilot, but never completed a course. He was so bad, he was called a waste of resources. They, a, a guy said he, quote, couldn't fly at all, yet he got his pilot's license. The FAA won't even discuss how this happened, how he got his pilot's license, yet he was able to make this crazy, almost, quote-unquote, near-impossible maneuver uh, to drop and, and swing that plane right into the Pentagon, into the western facade. Absolutely insanity. I, we could talk about this all day, guys, but we've got to move on. We've got to move on to Flight 93. Uh, what you're about to hear is the final transmission between Flight 93 and air traffic control. Five, I'll get you away from him. Okay, he's climbing, so I want to keep everybody away from him. Okay, I think we got him in sight. Well, the 1989 that traffic views at 11 o'clock and 15 miles southbound. 41 climbing, looks like he's turning east by heading 360. Uh, here's a captain, uh, we'd like to go to the Mancinium. We're uh, on the board, and we're uh, going to back to the airport. If you couldn't hear, that was one of the terrorists saying that there was a bomb aboard and uh, their demands for everyone to stay quiet. At 10.05 a.m., after passengers and crew members aboard the hijacked Flight 93 contacted friends and families and learned about the attacks in New York and Washington, they mount an attempt to retake the plane. In response, hijackers deliberately crashed the plane into Somerset County, Pennsylvania, killing all 40 passengers and crew aboard. According to the 9-11 Commission report, then-Vice President Dick Cheney gave the approval for the plane to be shot down before it could reach Washington. Mission Crew Commander MCC gives the fighter pilots permission to shoot down civilian planes and order relayed from Vice President Dick Cheney. You need to read this. Region Commander has declared that we can shoot down tracks that do not respond to our uh, direction. Okay. I'll pass out the weapons. Okay. The region, com the region Commander has declared that we can shoot down aircraft that do not respond to our direction. Let's copy that. Copy that, sir. So if you're trying to divert somebody and he won't divert, he's saying no. No? Came over the chat. Fox, you got a conflict on that? You got a conflict on that direction? Right now, no. Okay. Hey, okay, you read that from the vice president, right? Debris was spread over three to four mile radius, then later was found on another site about six miles away. Crews were looking for days and found nothing. A news reporter said that the crews working at the site of the wreck found nothing but a large crater. Uh, this was a quote. Uh, it is difficult to believe that a large Boeing 757 airplane plunged into the ground with such a force that a plane literally disintegrated and created a still smoldering crater. This is according to the PA Department of Environmental Protection. Even after everything disintegrated, it turns out they still found passports. Passports belonging to Zaid Jahara and Salid Al-Gahami were found near the crash site. The 9-11 Commission report says it wasn't until 10.07 that the military was alerted 
by United it's impossible. It's impossible. And if you look at the impact crater of that particular disaster, it suggests that the impact created two large wing expansions that cratered the ground and an impact crater in the center. Yet, if you look at geographical maps that are prior to 9-11, even two, three years prior to, the wing tattoos within the ground are part of the geographical picture. So what hit the ground? He's right, guys. And if you want to go compare uh, uh, videos of, of prior plane crashes and the way they hit, I mean, it left nothing more than an incinerated crater that was still smoldering um, hours after. Uh, but now we've got to move on. We've got to talk about the collapse of the towers, the main event, of course. So at 9.59 a.m., the South Tower, which is about 110 stories of the World Trade Center, collapses after burning for 56 minutes in approximately 10 seconds. At 10.28 uh, am the North Tower of the World Trade Center collapses uh, after burning for about 102 minutes, also in about 10 seconds. Now, they're saying that if a, if a building burns for that long, of course, it's going to uh, soften the steel and it's going to collapse. That's not true. Uh, February 23rd, 91, one Meridian Plaza in Philadelphia. It was a 38-story skyscraper. A fire began on the 22nd floor of that building and eventually spread to the 30th. The fire destroyed eight floors, killed three firefighters. It was a 12-alarm fire. For those of you who aren't firemen, one, two, three is is normal. Five is rare, but bad. This was 12. A 12-alarm fire that burned and lasted over 19 hours, and this thing never collapsed. Never. October 17, 2004, 56-story uh, office tower in Venezuela. Fire burned for 17 hours, spread over 26 floors. Two floors collapsed. The underlying floors did not. And the building remained standing. Same thing happened on February 2005, 32-story uh, Windsor building in Madrid, Spain. Same thing. Fire burned for two days. The building was completely engulfed in flames at one point. Several top floors collapsed on the lower ones, yet the building remained standing. The list goes on and on. Um, John Skilling was the head structural engineer for the World Trade Center. In 1993, after the bombing, in an interview with the Seattle Times, Skilling stated that the towers were designed to withstand the impact and fires resulting from a collision of a jet fighter such as a Boeing 707. He quote, We looked at every possible thing we could think of that could happen to the buildings, even to the extent of an airplane hitting the side, unquote. Later on, he said, our analysis indicated that the biggest problem would be the fact that all the fuel from the airplane would dump into the building. There would be a horrendous fire. A lot of people would be killed, he said. The building structure would still and, and be there. There was audio footage of the firemen reaching the fire saying, we can put this fire out with two hoses. We, we can put this out with two hoses. This fire wasn't the, the engulfing fire that they made it out to be. The, the one fireman chief that uh, you know sadly passed away in, in the collapse of the building reached that floor and said, in his professional of opinion, we can put this fire out with two hoses. That's all we need. Exactly. So firemen were surprised. Architects uh, were surprised. Physicists were surprised because none of it made sense. But nobody was more surprised uh, than one person individual. The, the following is a transcript of videotape released by the Pentagon uh, of Osama bin Laden and the U.S. officials uh, say this provides the biggest evidence that al-Qaeda was the leader responsible 
for the September 11th terror attacks. The transcript is straight from the U.S. Defense Department. It's public. Uh, this is a direct videotape uh, quote from Osama bin Laden. It says, quote, We calculated in advance the number of casualties from the enemy who would be killed based on the position of the tower. We calculated that the floors would be hit, would be three or four floors. I was the most optimistic of them all, inaudible. Uh, due to my experience of this field, I was thinking that the fire from the gas in the plane would melt the iron structure of the building and collapse the area where the plane hit and all the floors above it only. This is all we had hoped for. So nobody was more surprised than Osama bin Laden himself that the entire building collapsed vertically on its own footprint. That is insanity. The calculations using the falling body equation tells us that an object dropped from the World Trade Center would take about 10 seconds. Don't take my word for it. Do the math yourself. This is, this is high school physics. As if that isn't crazy enough, molten metal, 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, was found below the ground beneath the World Trade Centers, both of them. That would not be completely extinguished until December 13th of 2001. That's everything, crazy. Everything except the metal was pulverized. It was still hot. Pulverized. It was still hot. Inside it was still right. burning. It was molten steel beneath the building that, that stayed in there for, for weeks afterwards. Um, Manhattan was covered in a fine dust. It's called a pyroclastic dust cloud. And you only see those during two events. One, volcanic eruptions. And two, controlled demolitions. So as that wasn't crazy enough, there were steel beams weighing up to 200,000 pounds thrown laterally up to 500 feet. Uh, the cross-section, 300 tons, it was embedded in the American Express building, uh, 390 feet away from the actual building. Yes, there was many buildings hit, but that's because of the fact that the building was falling because of the impact high above the building. And once it collapsed and the fire in between caused all of that pressure to be just pushed out. I'm still trying to find out what side you're actually on anymore. Um, so there were human remains uh, discovered f up to 400 feet away from the South Tower. According to an article from November of 2011, uh, 1,121 victims have never been linked to any remains, and about 9,000 remains uh, have yet to be connected to any victim. And nearly two weeks after the 9-11 attacks, not only is there no memorial to the victims, but more than four years after their relatives, their friends, the city, the country, were told that there were no more remains of the victims to be found, they have suddenly begun to find more at the World Trade Center. Our number two story in the countdown tonight, 36 body parts from an as yet untold number of 9-11 victims recovered today from a single manhole. The total over the past five days has now exceeded 150. Nine more manholes, three underground service boxes, and 12 more underground sites that were allegedly searched for remains years ago must now be re-inspected. If the city can find them, the election... So even after all of this, if you still believe that it was planes and burning jet fuel that took down those two towers on the exact same day, hours apart, well, then we've got to talk about one more building. We've got to talk about a building that a lot of Americans don't even know fell down that day. We're going to talk about World Trade Center Building seven this is the part where we let darius read darius give me a study show a new survey by the polling firm yougov shows that 46 percent of americans are not even aware that a third world trade center building collapsed on 9-11 that's right at 5 20 p.m world trade center seven also known as the solomon brothers building 
uh, collapsed into its own footprint after burning for hours. No, we're even near the other yeah. two buildings. No. Uh, it was about 100 yards away. It was a full football field away. Uh, the building had been evacuated in the morning, and there are no casualties, uh, though the collapse forces rescue workers to flee for their lives. Uh, it's home to offices for the Department of Defense and the IRS. It's also the uh, one of the Secret Service's biggest field offices. Uh, 81 columns, 24 core, and uh, 57 perimeter. The only problem is here, no plane hit the building. Damage was significantly less. It was just from the falling debris from the other World Trade Centers. All structural elements had to simultaneously fail for this thing to collapse down at free fall speed, near free fall speed, into its own footprint. That's insane. It collapsed symmetrically in 6.6 seconds. That's just 0.6 seconds longer that, that would take an object dropped from the roof to hit the ground. Uh, no steel frame skyscraper in history has ever completely collapsed due to damage and fire. Now, three happened all in the same day and in the same city. And it happened hours after the collapse of the, tw of the Twin Towers in New York City. Yet the 9-11 Commission report left this part out again left the entire Building 7 collapse out one more time. Here's Thomas Keene, again, uh, from the 9-11 Commission. Governor Keene, may I ask another question, please? Uh, um, five, at 5.20 p.m. on September 11th, World Trade Center Building Number 7, 47-story modern frame steel skyscraper that no plane hit, collapsed into a neat little pile onto itself and exhibiting all the characteristics of controlled demolition. FEMA, in their investigation, I didn't say that. They said the fire must have knocked it down, but they couldn't figure out how. Uh, video evidence shows what appears to be explosive squids going up the side of the building from south to north or from bottom to top as the building collapsed. Uh, there was molten metal found in the basement of that building at temperatures that exceeded anything normal fire could cause. Uh, with all the confusion about what happened to Building 7, why is there not a word about the collapse of that building in the 911 commission report. We didn't see any, any evidence of the kind of thing you're talking about. We thought that was one of the part of the tragedy of 9 11. Uh, there was no evidence. Later on, there was not a lot of loss of life in that building. Uh, and it was not, uh, not part of our report. Not part of the report. Thanks. Governor? Yeah. How the fuck was that not part of the report? <laughs> I was waiting to see your A reaction. building just randomly fucking collapsed. Yeah, yeah I know. Is if, that, if that wasn't bad enough, no steel from Building 7 was ever recovered for investigation. But at least the BBC was quick with the reporting. Now, more on the latest building collapse in New York. You might have heard a few moments ago, I was talking about the Salomon Brothers building collapsing. And indeed it has. Apparently that's only a few hundred yards away from where the World Trade Center towers were. And it seems that this was not a result of a new attack. It was because the uh, building had been weakened uh, during uh, this morning's attacks. We'll probably find out more now about that from our correspondent, Jane Stanley. Presumably mm. there were very few people in the Salomon building when it collapsed. I mean, th there were, I suppose, fears of possible further collapses around the area. That's what you would hope, because this whole downtown area... I apologize to you listening at home that we're waiting for something spectacular there. But uh, the truth is, this is more a visual thing. And since Steve always makes fun of me whenever I put visual things in an audio podcast, Steve, maybe you could tell people what, uh, what you're looking at right now. I'm looking at this lady 
talking on the BBC and World Trade Center 7 is behind her. That's right. As she's talking about it being collapsed. A full five uh, mm. minutes plus before yeah. the yeah. actual building collapsed. You can see it. That's right. And you can check that out on YouTube right now, uh, as, as well as everything else that we've talked about today. Guys, do your research. But why listen to us? Why listen to a bunch of podcasters from Pittsburgh? Well, then maybe it's time to get a structural engineer on who actually might know a thing or two about buildings and how they fall down. Joining us now via Skype is a registered professional structural engineer working out of San Diego, California. Please join me in giving a big superhero's welcome for Marshall Casey Pfeiffer. Please tell us a little about yourself and what you do. Yes, uh... My name is Marshall Casey Pfeiffer. That's my legal name, and I'm a registered structural engineer in the state of California. There's a registered structural engineer is one level up from a registered professional engineer. Uh, both can operate as structural engineers in California, but the structural engineer can design buildings up to 160 stories tall and or 160 feet tall and hospitals and other essential facilities. I graduated from the University of Notre Dame with a Bachelor's of Science in Civil Engineering with an emphasis on structures in 1994. I moved to California in 1998 and have been performing structural engineering and seismic design for 19 years in Los Angeles and San Diego. As a structural engineer, I have been directly involved in the design of two large hospitals in Los Angeles, which included high-performance vertical structural systems of steel brace frames, steel moment frames, base isolators, and other, the other main components. In 2008, I started my own company called Pacific Coast Structural Engineering. Again, a very auspicious time because that's whenever the construction market dropped out of sight again, and which gave me lots of downtime to investigate the 9-11 events. Casey, we cannot thank you enough for coming on. We appreciate your time so much. Quick question. Uh, when you looked and you did look at the blueprints um, of uh, World Trade Centers, both of them, when you did that, um, did you see anything out of the ordinary? Any uh... the, the Twin Towers were a, a redundant a double tube system. So uh, high-rise buildings work off of a form of a tube shape. Uh, a lot of times, whenever you're in certain high-rise buildings, you you will have an outside frame and you'll have an inside frame at the core. Uh, if you were to look at uh, a lot of office buildings, you would see wide-open windows, uh, which leads you to know that those are typically steel moment frame buildings, and they have a steel moment frame at their at their elevator core. So steel moment frames are uh, columns and beams with a really extremely rigid connection such that the connection between the column and the beam provide a high level of rigidity and become the element that resists lateral movement. All buildings of this sort have elevators. Elevators are great places to put building systems. Uh, and in that in those twin towers, there was something like 28 ridiculously large steel columns, and I can get into that in a second. And then around the outside, there was large 
steel tube columns at three feet on center around the entire building. So the entire building was not some mild facade. It was an extremely dense structural system. You Do you suggest that the buildings were designed to uh, take in the uh, wind temp, wind wind direction and wind power and the the fluctuation of that type of environmental impact on the building. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in the and research. Further, for, for, furthermore, uh, on that, that was the that's the thing about these twin towers is they were over designed in the vertical system to accommodate the effects of the wind in the lateral system. So as the wind moves, this thing, this pencil that's, you know, sticking at, in the air has to be really stiff or everybody's just going to puke their brains out on a <laughs> daily basis. Because <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> you just can't, you know, if you're, if you're moving like this all oh, day long, yeah. you just can't do any work. So, so those buildings were overly stiff and they, to deal with that, vibration due to wind so the vertical system itself was way stronger now i don't know the specifics about waste what way stronger is but it's going to be at least two times as strong as it need to be hmm. vertically twice just to handle the stiffness required to deal with the strong, wind twice as strong now did you see any abnormal weakness compared to any other building constructed about the same time uh, well as far as i've read this was a bit of a marvel because it was the tallest buildings. So it was a bit of a marvel in engineering to get it that tall and still uh, have such a wide open base. So it had really wide open base, and that's one of the reasons – that's one of the things that people hang their hat on to try to say that the buildings were weak because they had 60-foot open floor bays between. Uh, but, but see, that is – a floor-to-floor issue. So there, there's nothing weak about the connection of the floor system to the outside tube frame system and the inside tube frame system, which is at the elevator. Uh, what it was was it was concrete over metal deck with steel, open web steel choice. Now, those aren't necessarily uh, uh, weak. They, they're meant to do one thing. They're not meant to do a whole lot. The rest of the building, the buildings always have ties. So these these uh, these weak links that people like to hang their hat on of the open web joists, they're, they're not the thing that ties the lateral system together. So they would never actually be needed to keep the building from collapsing. Steve, I had a question for so, you. So, yeah, I... Um I'm a uh, steam fitter by trade, so like I'm in the construction industry. I've been on these buildings, and I've seen the structural steel go up from from the ground. And like these, so these buildings, they're not designed to fall vertically in the case of any disaster, right? Like natural or otherwise. Yeah, correct. They're they're specifically designed to not fall ever vertically, ever, ever. Now, you as an engineer, this is David. Uh, you as an engineer. When you look at these buildings and you talk about the veracity, the the significance of how quick the fall came on both buildings, including Building Seven, which we'll talk about at the end, um, how how quickly they fell, how um, how abruptly they fell, how they didn't tilt 
and collapse into other buildings. It seems like, and I, I want to be the, the, uh, the bag in the hat here, if I will, but it seems like controlled demolition. Well, to further the point, uh, in terms of steel buildings, there has a steel building in the history of uh, mankind has never fallen. But I mean, the great part is, is we have this endless supply of videos of controlled demolition of buildings, and we have an yes. almost equally supply of buildings that are burned for hours and hours, wow. even after the 9-11. And they don't fall. To, yeah. yeah, they don't go yeah, They don't fall. Yep. Oh, I have a question for you. Uh, let's talk about the physics behind the controlled demolitions. Newton's law. The, the most important one as it relates to these buildings is that a body in motion stays in motion unless it is comes in contact with something else. And furthermore, that uh, anytime there's a reaction, there's an equal and op. Anytime there's a force in one direction, there's an equal and opposite reaction in the other direction. Correct. So, Correct. so if something is moving this way, moving down, and there's something below it, then the thing below it is pushing on the thing about to, that's coming down on it equally and opposite if they're made of the same exact materials. So one of the things about these towers is they, from the top to the bottom, they get stronger progressively. Have, uh, do you know of a structural uh, building where the top would be so heavy that if it collapsed, it would start, gravity would take uh, over and start dis destroying the things underneath? Well, naturally... No. Sometimes in wind buildings, they'll put a, a ballast, a large weight, they'll float it in water, and it'll act as a balancing agent during wind. So the Sears Tower in Chicago has one of those. I'm not sure what the World Trade Center had in terms of that, but it, it did have a lot of extra reinforcing measures. Uh, so the roof was especially dense with structure uh, for a variety of reasons it has one of them had the huge really huge antenna those antennas are not not a joke they're they're significant structural elements um, but then if you were to look at the towers you'll act you know before they got hit by anything from a distance you will see these weird these strange bands of floors uh, horizontally and they happen at exactly the third points all the way up so if you look at the third way down, you'll see this band that looks different because there's no windows in it because it's a, a stiffer system. So they actually – one-third down and then two-thirds down, they reinforce and stiffen the entire building. And one thing that's without a doubt clear is that it's impossible for the building to collapse at the speed and the way that it did unless you violate Newton's third law, which is the conservation of momentum. You, you'd, you'd have to violate it completely. So you would have to re-figure out physics completely to accept the, the theory. Report. Somehow, the NIST report, that somehow the building pancaked down. I love the one of the first original analyses that came out on the buildings, and it was done by some PBS or Nova or something like that, and it showed... The pancaking, the pancaking of the floors, and they left the center core in place. So the whole building right. collapsed, pancaked around it, but somehow the center core stayed there the whole time mm -hmm. in their model. 
No, no, no. Well, that's okay. So, so, well, so, that yeah. was a computer yeah. model. It so, wasn't real yeah. life. It was a uh, computer but, model. But the right? truth of the matter is this: the, I mean, one of the easiest ways to imagine it is that the building below the impact zone is a semi truck, and the building above the impact point is a is a Toyota Camry. Correct. So whenever a a Toyota Camry runs straight into a semi, the Toyota Camry crushes and the and the the semi has a dent in it. Mm-hmm. I, so the mass the strength in the mass of the building below the impact zone Again, I, I didn't put I haven't put numbers to paper to determine the difference in strength, but it's much higher. The strength of the building below is much higher than the building at the very, very top. So whenever you take something that's much stronger and you run it into something that's not as strong. Um, is there a reason that they make the lower levels stronger structurally than the higher levels? Why, why, why do that? Because gravity adds. Yes. Okay, From fine. Gravity has to hold up the building. The so, yeah. the building. so it has nothing to do with any kind of natural disasters, any problem. It has to do with the actual structure of just the building just being itself. Would, would you say right. that's correct? So, so right. It, just like uh, so, load accumulates from the top. Down. Of course. So by the time you get to the bottom, the bottom must support everything above it. Which would, would so you? Therefore, s- the steel has to get stronger. As you go down in relationship to the load. Of course. And would you say most buildings are built like this? All. So say the the upper floors, they collapsed. Could they have collapsed and the rest of the buildings like, stood without falling realistically? Yeah. Okay, that's that's the so, that's one thing. So that I'll, I'll give you me. a um, I'll give you a, a fun quick story here. the The day that it happened, I I was in L.A. and I I went off to work. I think I heard about it, but I was busy, so I was like, "Wow, okay, something happened." I went off to work. I didn't watch anything. I didn't look at the internet because I was just too busy. And during the day, somebody said that the twin the the towers collapsed, and I was like. Yeah, you mean it? It it you know it fell a little bit? No, it collapsed all the way down. I was like, yeah, no, that can't happen. So- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what you're telling us is that there was no way that the jet fuel that was expelled from the plane could have gotten hot enough to melt and or weaken the steel to make sure that the structure the structural integrity could just fall down on its own footprint. Each one, tower Each one, one, followed by tower two. Uh, North, followed by south, and just fall down on its own footprint. You're saying there's no way that there's could no happen. There's no way. No, I, that, I mean that's uh, amazing. That's just, amazing. If you, if you, yeah. I mean, if, if you, Marshall if you Casey, ever, you just gave us chills. Yeah. You just gave us chills. We all have chills. All of us have look chills. Look at this. It's a, yeah. That's very bizarre. I'm sorry. Goose bumps. Could you expand on it, please? Please, please expand. Yeah. No, well, the official story is inaccurate. To uh, if not criminally inaccurate, it's inaccurate on almost every level that I've seen. It just it uses. I well, there. I mean, we've looked. We've looked into uh, various lawsuits to try to get rid. You know, take them out of the profession completely. You uh, said, we've at a lot who's of they? Who's uh, they? You said you want to take them out of. Who's they? 
Oh, uh, the engineers that actually put their names on the NIST report, the report that everybody hangs their hat on. If if you guys have done anything with steel at all, you'll know it's a fairly strong material. Oh yeah. The the core columns in the middle of the building, in the at the core uh, around the elevators, were 28 columns, and and for the first third of the building, so whatever 110 divided by three. I don't know why. It's like 35 or something like that, 37 stories. So at that level, the core columns were four-inch thick steel box columns that were 24 inches um, wide and up to four feet long. So this is is a four-foot by two-foot-six box column made out of four-inch thick steel. I mean that literally. That's that's all right. That is the that is the biggest column you've ever heard of in your yeah. entire. Life. That's what col- columns are redundant. They they have more strength than they need. Yeah, and they're sure. redundant, especially the World Trade Center one and two, because it was designed to deal with that extra wind issue. So, in your yeah, professional opinion, the World Trade Centers one and two were structurally stronger than the Empire State Building who took on a B-52 bomber and did not fall down. Extremely. Okay. To, to, a, okay. to, to a degree. Yeah. yeah the you. Building 1 and 2 are way stronger than the um, Empire State Building. Fantastic. I, I, know, I, I, I know we've already taken up way too much of your time, so we have to move on to Building 7. You know we got to build on. Uh, and, and, and how many people, how many Americans even know that Building 7 went down? No, not a lot. Because not, it not wasn't any. even nine eleven commission report originally. It mm-hmm. wasn't. So let's Correct. talk about building seven. And then I promise we'll let you go. We might keep you if you want to stay with us, we'll, we'll adopt you. Whatever you want, whatever you want. <laughs> um so building seven. Uh it went down from debris from office fires. This was Fuck according here. to NIST, right? <clears throat> it uh, went, actually it, so specifically the NIST report says that one girder connection 79. failed and oh. that one girder connection was the failure of that one connection was able to take down the entire building get the hell out of here in 11 seconds and what are your thoughts on that one one, one girder um being weakened enough to take that entire building what are your thoughts on that bullshit uh yeah it's impossible the so there's a study by uh dr leroy holsey uh, out of uh, University I spoke, in Canada. I, I actually spoke um, to him, yeah. And really? he did a two-year study with uh, multiple students, like a research project, modeling it in the software that I told everybody to use back whenever they interviewed me first, the SAP 2000. So I, I told him the way to solve this is to model all three buildings into a program and show how it could not have happened. Now they've only got around to you know people with donations uh, to the AE 911 group and through the cooperation with this uh, Leroy Holsey and uh, the university. These guys did the work, and now it's conclusive: zero percent chance that the Building Seven collapsed due to the official narrative. Zero percent chance. None. Well, like the official narrative was the fact that it was due to office fires, and the office fires cr- uh, made. Yeah. What was it? The uh, the core column seventy nine. Garbage. 
Yeah. Cognitive dissonance. It failed. Yeah. It failed, and so then it progressively collapsed. The entire building symmetrically, after you know the seventy nine had gotten well, hot enough. So, so to here, fail. here's the here's the most uh, fa- here's a portion of the most fascinating part about that. The that one connection that they're holding their hat on mm-hmm. has been reviewed multiple times, and they left out multiple pieces of structural elements that kept that thing from happening. Marshall Casey, before you do anything else, this will be your exact final statement, and I want you to kill it. Please. So take us home Please. and tell us how these buildings fell in your opinion. This is your opus. Building 7 collapsed classically as a controlled demolition as you would do any building that you wanted to take down uh, and drop it into its own footprint. Amazing. Building one and two collapsed, not classically, but it would have had to have some form of fairly dramatic uh, controlled demolition because yeah. it was Christ. controlled Un- I knew unbelievable, and fell into its own footprint. What can everyone else do that's listening to this podcast right now? They can help. So, right. So you can, you can donate to the that that cause you can also donate to the world trade wtc7 evaluation.org you can donate to that there we go and and that cause for me is uh going to be pretty interesting because we're gonna start to really because they're about to release that as a final report and we're gonna start taking that to the various professionals and get them to you know see reality uh, well, I want to thank you guys for uh, getting together and exploring all the various topics that you do. This is a very important topic and Jeez, will be so huge when people start to realize the reality of it. Uh, I will bring up my own personal thing that I also work on, and that is I work on the legal fiction. And I we have a club called Agents at Law, and... That club has a website called www.agentsatlaw.com, and we help people see through the legal fiction of the courts, the commercial system. And uh, if anybody, if you, anytime you guys want to take on the legal fiction as a topic, happy to help you out with that. Awesome. That sounds awesome. Now, Marshall, oh, I know boy. you listen to the last podcast, and you're welcome to decline if you want. But you know at the end of every episode, we play a game of Factor Fuck. Do you in? All right. Family Guy creator (laughs) Seth MacFarlane had been scheduled to be on Flight 11, but arrived at the airport late due to a hangover. Fact. That is a... Casey, what are your thoughts? Casey, what are your thoughts? I don't know the specifics of it. I do know that Seth Green had some kind of situation with regard to flying on a plane. I don't know <laughs> Seth all the rest of It is Seth McFarland. That is yes. a fact. And I'm going to get one today. Nice. Well done. Nice. <laughs> well done. Well done. One point. The phrase ground zero was used at the site of the World Trade Center. It was originally used to refer to the site of the atomic bomb that exploded over Hiroshima. In 1945. Factorino. Factorino going to you. Yeah, that's a fact. That is a fact. Well done. Damn. David, 
Osama bin Laden deliberately chose 9-11 because in New York and many other states, 9-11 is a national emergency number. Factor fucked. 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 Going to you. False. Fucked. Whatever. It's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> You're my favorite podcast yeah. person. Steve. Yeah. During the aftermath of 9-11, search and rescue dogs found so few living people that it caused them great stress because they believe that they had failed. Handlers and rescue workers need to regularly hide in the rubble in order to give the rescue dogs a successful find and keep their spirits up. Uh, he says fucked. I'm saying fucked. Fucked. I'm going to do it one more time with you. Marshall Casey. Marshall Casey. Yeah, fiction. I, I don't believe that at all. That is a fact. That fuck. Whoa, whoa. Fact. It's such crap. Fact. Don't give me the dog question. You're welcome Seriously. to look it up. Darius. 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 Yeah, yeah, it's That's weird because Steve does spend a lot of time with dogs. Darius, <laughs> at around 8.51 a.m., Flight 175 had a near-mid collision with Delta Airlines Flight 2315. Reportedly, a missing plane, but it only missed it by 300 feet. Factor five. Feet? Oh, 300 feet. 300 feet. feet. Wow. Factor fuck Darius. 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 Fact. You're deflating. Fact. <laughs> Marshall Casey. I, I'll go with fact because I heard something along that those lines. That is absolutely a fact. Whoa. Whoa. Going to Nate. Oh, I'm back. The 9 11 report said that Ramsey Yosef, who planned the 93 World Trade Center bombing had also planned a massive attack on 12 U.S. airliners in 1995. Fact or fuck? Fact. It's fact. What are your thoughts? Sounds like it could be fact. Sure, I'll go with fact. Well, you nailed it. It is fact, and it was also fact. Two for two. (laughs) On Osama Bin Laden's 10 most wanted page list, Uh the September 11th attacks... We're nowhere to be found. Fact or fuck? Uh, fact. 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 That is a fact. Wow. Not a single stitch. <laughs> Marshall wait. Casey Pfeiffer, you, you are, are amazing. amazing. Thank you, you so amazing. much thank tonight. You. And, I, and I, honest to God, cannot thank you enough for coming on thank the show. Thank you very much. And being so awesome. Is there anything you want to plug and let the world know that they can... They can join. They can, they can Google. They can find out. Well, the government will never do it. Uh, the only way to get it done is to do it, to have real, real other people do it. But nobody in the government will ever uh, redo that story. No one. Ever. Uh, ever. And there's uh, no, no no way you or anyone else could uh, make that happen. We just have to keep it alive uh, by our conversation. No, you're not, you're not going to get it done by the government. The only way you're going to get it done is through uh, private in- individual people who, like the professor up there in Canada, who did the work on his own. And all, the, the only thing you can do in this world is make the record. Wow. What a big thank you to Marshall Casey Pfeiffer for coming on the show and being so cool with us. If you want to find out more about him or anyone else in the Truth Agency, let's go to www.ae911truth.org. This is the main website for the architects and engineers for 911 Truth. You can also go to wt7evaluation.org. If you want to find out more about the Weekend Superheroes, you can find us at weekendsuperheroes.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, YouTube. All the media outlets. Twitter. What's our Twitter? Twitter is WKND Superheroes. Uh, Nate, would you like to say goodbye? 
Yeah, I'm going to say goodbye to Tom Petty. You belong among the wildflowers. Amen. Amen. Dasha, would you like to say goodbye? Yes, I would just like to remember all of those people that are part of this whole thing. Steve, would you like to say goodbye? Uh, I want to say goodbye to the towers. Goodbye, ladies. And always remember (laughs) to podcast responsibly.